0: Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of
1: Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash support. It's a common adage in, in anarchist circles that government is a gun to your head. And that's true. It is a gun to your head. It's force. Government is force. Well, how often is a gun pointed to your head and you get to remove the gun from your head on your own terms? It just doesn't work that way
0: liberty podcast here's your host your guide your shining beacon of liberty mark claire hello hello my liberty kitty cats welcome back to another edition of this program, the 322nd episode. That is significant because it means you can find today's show notes at the very easy-to-recall lionsofliberty.com. Slash 322. That's where I'll be posting links to all sorts of topics that I discuss with today's guest. Someone that's been requested for the last few weeks here from a lot of the members in the Lions of Liberty Forum. Of course, you can join the conversation by typing Lions of Liberty Forum in your little search bar on Facebook. Come on in. If you look like a real person, we'll get you in to join the dialogue. But a lot of people have re- been requesting this guest. We'll get to him in just a second. But first, I want to remind you guys about today's sponsors, our good friends at Health Excellence Plus. If you guys are shopping for a new healthcare plan, I know it's open enrollment for a lot of people right now. Maybe you're looking at the plan you just had, the insurance plan, and thinking, man, this thing really isn't worth it. My deductibles are sky high. My premiums are sky high, and I'm barely using this thing. Well, if that sounds like you, I implore you to look into our sponsors, Health Excellence Plus, by heading over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. (laughs) All right. With me today is the founder of the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus. It is indeed Mr. Michael Heiss. Michael, are you ready to roar? I'm
1: ready to roar, Mark. Let's do it.
0: All right. Well, somehow I knew you would be, Mike, because you know that's the that's kind of the spirit I think of what you guys are trying to do with the Mises Caucus. Obviously, I've I've seen you out there. You've been on Tom Woods. You've been on Dave Smith. And it seems to me like you're really trying to capture that spirit and, and energy that was there uh, with the Ron Paul Revolution. That same spirit that, in many ways, inspired the founding of Lions of Liberty. And and we'll talk more about the Mises Caucus itself in just a minute. But first, I want to learn a little bit more about you. So why don't you just tell us first how you became interested in the ideas of liberty and how did you become a libertarian?
1: Well, well, I've, I've been a libertarian for about 10 years now. I would say it started when I'm when I was about 17. I'm uh, 28 now. But uh, even before that, uh, Alex Jones actually in my life preceded libertarianism. And, uh, you know, Alex Jones documentaries. And honestly, I still stand by those documentaries to this day as unhappy as I am with where Infowars has is gone. But, uh, you know, that that got me thinking outside of the box and, and distrusting government and seeing government for the monster that it is. And uh, but you know, I wasn't involved. I was just a young kid. And then, you know, the, the 2008 Ron Paul campaign came along. And, uh, I mean that, that changed my life in a lot of ways. I mean, I wasn't so much involved with the campaign because again, I was young and we didn't have an internet until I was older. I didn't know anybody. I was kind of isolated. And, but me and my, my best friend, we got into Ron Paul and we were inspired by him and, you know, we started learning. And then once the, uh, the 2012 campaign came along in a very, very random way. I met a guy named Keith Smith, who is now the found one of the founding members of uh, the Nexus cryptocurrency. And uh, by total happenstance, met him, and uh, he pulled me into this underground world of of activism and and the libertarian movement. Once I got the feeling that I wasn't alienated anymore that I wasn't alone anymore, I just took off and never looked back. And I started organizing. My uh, my own little end the Fed rallies at the Philly Federal Reserve building, and uh, eventually I met up with a group called Truth Freedom Prosperity, who was killing it. Uh, they were super active group, grassroots group in Philly, and uh, did a bunch of stuff for them. Went on to do a podcast. I uh, co-hosted uh, Adam versus the Man. I uh, did my own podcast and just been kind of doing projects ever since.
0: And that's the thing about uh, the Ron Paul campaign. It was somewhat similar for me. I mean, I wasn't too deep into the libertarian philosophy, but I had voted libertarian a couple times or in the 2004 election, I had voted libertarian simply because I just knew I was an, hated the Democrats and Republicans. I knew I just didn't, intrinsically could not stand them and knew that they didn't represent me, didn't represent anything really different from each other. But I hadn't formulated a lot of my ideas into a coherent philosophy. I had read some Harry Brown, I'd read some Ayn Rand, it was there in the background for me, but it was only when you saw this man on TV, uh, on a Republican stage... De- calling for the full legalization of drugs, um, saying things that you just weren't supposed to hear on TV that politicians literally were not allowed to say, talking about blowback, talking about the fact that maybe, just maybe, terrorism doesn't just randomly happen. Maybe there are actual causes to look at. Uh, basically, the things I just said don't sound that radical anymore, and I think that's an amazing thing, because now they're actually a normal part of at least political dialogue, even if maybe most people don't fully accept them. It's part of the conversation now, and that just wasn't the case before Ron Paul I think that's the thing that you know that yourself and many many of my past guests over over 300 interviews that I've done here uh, have all echoed about Ron Paul, and that is just the fact that he even you know he, t- he takes an idea and he stops you from feeling that you're alone in that idea. I think that's a big th- a st- a, you know a big turning point for a lot of libertarians because when you first learn about the ideas, you think you're alone, you think you're the only libertarian, and then you you start to find out there's actually others out there like you. And um, you know I think Ron Paul brought a lot of those people out of the woodwork and brought them together.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like to, the way I like to word it is uh, the the war issue kind of took my heart, and then the economics issue uh, took my mind, and uh, right. and it's just been like I said, no looking back ever since. And and Ron did a lot more for me than just inspire me to the message. I mean, I, I had a I had a lot going on at home when I was growing up. He he served as a role model for me in a lot of ways as well. I mean, it wasn't just the message; it was his character and the way he handled himself, and just that kind of. Infectiously optimistic way about him and the way he carried himself in the midst of all that chaos all that cheating and he never broke down he just you know stayed positive the whole time and it it kept that energy that infected all of us uh, up the entire time, even even in the midst of him being cheated in front of all of our eyes.
0: Absolutely. I mean, there is definitely a, a kind of energy there, a sort of bravery that just emanated from him. Like even you didn't need to agree with all the words he was saying to see that, you know, he clearly he was sh- trying to be shunned. I mean, he's on the stage, but in every other way they would ignore him. I mean, there was, I think that famous debate where he got what, 93 seconds of time or something like that compared to 12, 15 for everybody else. I mean, it just became so obvious. And yeah, he's got a great attitude about it you don't see him up there mumbling and grumbling and getting upset and crying about his lack of time he just took whatever he could get and you know just spoke the truth as he saw it and whether or not people agreed with everything that came out of his mouth i think what did uh, you know reflect on a lot of people was just that that sheer bravery and that optimism that came through just in spite of the the tremendous odds that he was facing both from the media uh from the political system from you know the whole thing
1: yeah and I like to think that I've emulated that because as I'm sure you've seen there was a lot of positivity around that time and a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of let's get this you know going and and it started changing after the the election and uh, there became a lot of division and and cynicism and lo- drawing lines and debates started becoming fights and and all of this kind of thing and and a lot of people just dropped out it seemed like they just they, they, it's almost like they stop believing that we can change anything and i never stopped believing and i and i never faltered because i know that what we believe in is right and true right so i'm assuming that
0: sort of attitude is is what led you to forming the Mises caucus here so why don't you detail a little bit further what what specifically inspired you to say you know what not only do i want to become politically active now i want to directly get right involved in the in the in the uh, li- with the libertarian party form this caucus and you know make something happen what inspired this whole thing
1: well it was, it was kind of a process i mean i, I never Really gave the uh, the Libertarian Party serious thought until the 2016 election. Honestly, I was I was going to be supporting Rand Paul, and uh, he just had really bad strategy, and uh, he tried to tackle a bull instead of using inertia against it, and uh, which was Donald Trump, and uh, he tried to thread this impossible needle of, of uh, trying to please libertarians and please Republicans, and ended up pleasing nobody, and he just fizzled out, you know, beyond anybody's expectation. So politically it left me with uh, without a, a home in some ways because to me it, it's it's important that we use politics as a platform for this message and uh, so I, d- I didn't know what to do that's what I started looking into the libertarian party and uh, if I was a delegate I probably wouldn't have voted for Gary Johnson um, but I started at that point I started thinking beyond just the uh, the philosophy and the message and all that and started thinking about strategy and the importance of the debate stage and, and growing this thing from, from the, like creating a culture by growing this thing from the the ground up. And, uh, that's, that became the appeal of the Libertarian party for me. So I, I did support Johnson, but, uh, as far as the, the, where did the caucus come from? The, the experience in, in the Johnson campaign was just, I mean, having been having experienced the grassroots from the grassroots, the Ron Paul campaign and the Johnson campaign, it was just night and day. Did you actually work with the, the campaign itself? I uh, well, that was part of the problem. I I, uh, I tried to, but it was so inept. It was so bad that I could, couldn't even get a foot in the door. I couldn't. No, I mean, I, I got shuffled around to three different regional leaders. I, I told him I got people who were interested. I need signs and, and nothing, nothing ever came. And and instead the, the, the state, uh, the state campaign leader was like telling me, like, I, you know, I was critical of Johnson at one point. Cause it kind he kind of made some off comments about vaccines and it was not looking good. He walked it back, but I, I made it's some a very com- polite way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> some off comments. <laughs> and, yeah. And, uh, so I was very critical of that. I'm like, if he really keeps this up, I'm like, I, I can't stay. And, uh, you know, instead of giving me my signs, the state, campaign leaders, like, could you please delete that post? And I'm like, no, what is this? And I ended up getting scooped up by the, uh, by the local libertarian party. I'm in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and, uh, they did a better job of campaigning than the campaign did, you know? And then you go to find out that the, the, his, uh, uh, campaign manager got like seven out of the $10 million that went through. And that's, that's your answer as to why, but, Beyond beyond just the inefficiency, it was just the energy that you that you mentioned is is such a big thing to me. You know, with Ron and that campaign, the energy was always high all the time. Every time you met somebody, it was like you met your new best friend. With all of them, everybody was unified. Nobody was fighting. Everybody had a goal and was working together and loved to do it. You know what I mean? And and had fun doing it. With the Johnson campaign, it was you know the party became split the moment that he him and especially uh, Bill Weld became the candidates. So there was infighting on why are these people the candidates? Everybody was instead of being productive, was defending themselves from the Bernie people on the left and then defending themselves with the tr- against the Trump people on the right. And and it was just a mess. It was just it was such a nasty environment, that entire campaign cycle. And, uh, you yeah, know, having reflected on that, it, it's. It became important to me that something's got to happen to to bring that energy back because we keep politically we keep losing ground, it feels like, you know, and uh, and we and we keep losing a presence. And so it became important to me to reignite, to try to do something to reignite that energy. And uh, it's, it's been going very, very well. So what made
0: you um, you know, form the party around this figure, uh, Ludwig von Mises? He's uh, Obviously, m- much of my audience is going to know who he is. I don't know how many people outside of the libertarian bubble will connect with that name, but obviously you're, what you're, you are trying to track is, is other libertarians. So why did you decide to, to name it the Mises Caucus?
1: Well, when I, when I was first thinking about it, it, I was debating between naming it the Mises Caucus or, or the, the Ron Paul Caucus. And uh, I decided on the Mises Caucus because I felt like it was a little bit more uh, inclusive and wide. Um Mises started a tradition. He started the whole Austrian tradition that was then picked up and and carried forward by by Murray Rothbard. But uh, he was the foundation for all of this. He is what ignited, you know, we wouldn't have Ron Paul if it weren't for Mises. We, we probably wouldn't have Rothbard without Mises. Uh, so I'm trying to capture, I mean, that that tent, you know, there were differences between Mises and Rothbard and Ron Paul and all and all this stuff. But we're trying to put aside the differences. We're not we're trying to drop the fight, fighting between minarchists and anarchists, uh, trying to drop the divisiveness between identity politics and, and, and all of that and come and come together to to have a common goal and push this message. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about what that actual
0: message is. I know you guys have been working on the, you know, developing the platform over the last few months, but what is the the central message of of the Mises Caucus that would, you know, differentiate itself from other caucuses, from you know the rest of the party? What is the exact message you are trying to push forward here?
1: So the Libertarian Party, uh, it seems to me that they have embraced a, a, a certain idea around running campaigns. Uh, that is a little bit different than most of us who came in through Ron Paul experienced. Ron Paul stood on principle for what, like forty years, didn't falter, and and eventually people came his way, and and he was able to sway minds, and he never sold out to do that, and it was because of that that people respected him and revered him. There, people were you knew what you were getting with him, and you knew that he knew what he was talking about, so people were intellectually afraid of of him. Whereas with the Johnson campaign and I would say the Libertarian Party in general, it seems like instead of standing on principle, they want to appeal to people by coming to them, not standing on principle and having people come to us and swaying them. They want to appeal to them. Well, that kind of sounds like politics as usual. You know, there's nothing that really, you know, telling people what they want to hear and and almost like they're embarrassed by, you know, the core of hardcore property rights and and austrian or well free market economics and uh all of these kind of things it's like the, or the non aggression principle it's like they're embarrassed about them they don't want to get into it they want to couch it in language that political language that people are accustomed to with the other two parties and again it just all creates this this image of like how different are we really from those two parties um so that that is the big thing that we want to move forward is is coming around uh, coming together around property rights, free markets, peace, peace is a big one. Um, and, and decorum as well. You know, we, we don't, we want to get away from the nastiness that, that has dominated this last, uh, election cycle. And, you know, I'm sure that's going to be a test for us in the future. Uh, that's going to be very trying. It's going to be frustrating, but, uh, you know, this is a battle of ideas, not identities, not, not, uh, anything else. So we have to keep it in that realm. So are, are those some of the main tenets
0: that you are developing into the platform itself, uh, the, those really broad principles of free markets, of sound money, of um, you know, non-aggressive wars overseas and, and that sort of thing? Is that what you're basing
1: the platform around? Yes. Uh, I mean, we ju- – I, I won't read the whole thing, but plank one is property rights. Plank two is, is self-determination. Three is economics. Four is money. Uh, plank five is decorum. Six is lifestyle choices. And seven is identity politics. And uh, I mean, in a nutshell, what we're trying to do is attract the audience from the like reignite the Ron Paul revolution and and by associated audiences. So audiences of the Mises Institute, audiences like yours, uh, uh, Tom, Tom Woods's audience and kind of merge that with the cryptocurrency revolution and inject that into the libertarian party to kind of have the party take that direction
0: i mentioned identity politics as one of the planks i have
1: to imagine it's it's um you're opposed to identity politics in that plank is it's that, very very short am I'll i re- right about that oh it's very short i'll read it the uh the mises caucus category categorically rejects all forms of identity politics as nothing more than weaponized tribal collectivism that is anti-ethical to individualism all right well that's about as libertarian as it gets <laughs> <laughs> so mike what is the
0: Response been so far? I know you've got a a big Facebook group. I'm in there, um, you know, watching, just watching what's going on and uh, seeing a lot of people get come in there, very enthusiastic. Uh, Have you, you know, what kind of people have you spoken to in regards to? Obviously, I know you've talked to people within the party, of course, but I know you've been talking to a lot of people outside the party as well and trying to bring them into this, both some bigger names in the movement as well as just ordinary folks out there who might have either been part of the party but been sort of uninspired by the last cycle or maybe people that had given up on the idea of the libertarian. Party, but then and now see the work you're doing out here and think, well, maybe this is something worth getting
1: back to. It's been very, very exciting. It's 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 been nonstop progress with no hurdles almost. I mean, it's a, I, I knew something was going to happen when I started this, but I, I didn't expect it to be this big, this far, this fast, and uh, it, it's been amazing. I would say definitely more. I, I'm probably talking more to people who are outside of the party and trying to bring them in. Uh, you know, we we're, we we pretty much got the structure of the caucus that we want to have formed up. The main theme that we've been kind of discussing is energy, right? Like we want to create and maintain an energy that's enthusiastic and positive and centered around doing things again. You know, taking, you know, our tagline is take human action, which is a nod to uh, Mises' magnum opus, human action. But uh, that's that's the kind of the culture we want to create that and, and that fervor that we want to create. So um, I don't know if I want to name all these, but we, we are very close to bringing uh, several interesting people who have large audiences into the party. And, and, and the idea being that if we start getting certain leaders in the movement to come around this idea and inject themselves into the party, they will create that fervor and bring those audiences with them. And it's my opinion that the Ron Paul revolution and those related entities in the whole, in the whole of the libertarian movement kind of constitute the majority. And because we got involved with the Ron Paul campaign and, uh, we, and the campaign for liberty at the time, um, we kind of seeded the asset of the, of the libertarian party to whoever was open to take it. And it was taken by people who have that view of campaigning and, and, and seem to be generally adopting the tactics of, of the left and the Democrats last year that lost to Donald Trump. And it's just about, we have to get in that fight because if we don't, eventually they're going to get debate access. Like, the, the Libertarian Party will get debate access. I don't think it's far off. And they're going to experience a very large growth curve when that happens, regardless of who it is. So whoever is behind – the direction that the party is taking and who is behind that podium is very, very important. If we allow a Bill Weld to be behind the podium when <laughs> – when you know this was also a big a big moment for me where i was like oh my god i can't let this happen i have to do something like we can't allow bill weld to be our quote unquote introduction to the world stage politically because we could lose the word libertarian you know like the way we've lo- lost the word liberal
0: I couldn't help but laugh when he said Bill Weld because as soon as you said you know, the Libertarian Party is going to get debate access, the second you said that to me, an image appeared in my mind of, of Bill Weld, his red face on a, on a debate stage next to Donald Trump and some charismatic Democrat of the day, just waffling on every single thing, taking no ball positions, and leaving the American public thinking, oh, "Okay, so Libertarian Party is just kind of like watered down Democrats and
1: Republicans." I mean, yeah, that, that's that's immediately what I envisioned. Free, when you free that. market Democrats kind of you know like and uh that's that's not it's so much richer and deeper than that and it's so much more fun than that you know what i mean like and uh so that was that was a big thing for me is is there's obviously been a large reaction that's understandable but i think uh wrong by a lot of people to the state of the party to leave the party and that is just allowing them to like shore up control of the party And and kind of monopolize the view of the party by doing that. So we have to get in the game and get to this convention next year to turn this around. How big a tent, I, I'm wondering, are
0: you casting here uh, with the Mises caucus? I mean, I, I, I know there are already a caucus in, there are many caucuses in the Libertarian Party, but, you know, there's a radical caucus, with which I think largely represents a lot of anarchists. Um, there's even, I couldn't believe it was real at first. I literally thought it was a joke for like two weeks, but there is actually a socialist caucus in the Libertarian Party, believe it or not. Um, I guess, what is the litmus test for for who you bring in to the Mises caucus? I mean, In many ways, you know, you have Mises as as a central figure here. Obviously, it's named after him. You have Ron Paul, who's inspired it. They were both, both minarchists. And yet, you have a large, large portion of, I think, the type of people you're reaching out to uh, now would identify more as like Rothbardian anarchists. So, is there a certain, I guess, type of libertarian that you're going after? Are you casting more of just a broader approach to people that are into your your general ideas about the energy, about the decorum, uh, about really
1: capturing that spirit? It's it's a broad audience that's coming together around certain principles, like because the idea of like if you're an anarchist, the idea and which I consider myself an anarcho-capitalist, the idea of the Libertarian Party, like you're already making a philosophical concession. Uh, to do that, we already understand that, and and that is going to there's going to be certain concessions that need to be made to push this platform forward philosophically, and that's going to allow us to work together. You know, people have have been very hard nosed and and for a long time, uh, a lot of the anarchist crowd uh, to this idea. But th- my whole point is that I personally feel that anarchy in this current world that we're in is an oxymoron. If I mean if it's if it's a Greek word for without masters. And we live in like a world empire that those two don't compute. So I I see us less as minarchist anarchist and more as abolitionist. You know, so we we have to come together towards those ends.
0: Let's get back for a second to some of the people you've been talking to. Now I I don't want to put you on the spot. You don't have to name a single name that you're not comfortable with naming, but I imagine that you've, you know, reached out to it would be be obvious to me that you would be reaching out to some people from, say, the Mises Institute, considering the name of the caucus, um, and other people like that that share that you know their sort of perspective. Um what is your general idea here to Get, capture some names of some people that are are sort of charismatic in their own right outside of the party, and actually bring them into the party as members, as members of this caucus, and push them into either positions of prominence, prominence, or at least you know positions of being at least kind of thought leaders for you guys. Is that is that kind of one of the ideas you're going with?
1: Yeah, I mean, I so recently I attended or I, I attended the Nexus Conference in in Colorado, and then I attended the uh, the Mises Institute's uh, 35th anniversary in Manhattan. And so obviously I got to meet and talk to a lot of people and it was pretty much across the board supportive. Um, The Institute itself is, is limited to, to what they can do. They, they are a nonprofit. They can't, they can't endorse, they can't do a lot of things. So it's more moral support uh, there. But I mean, I can say this, I mean, without asking for it, we, we got a pretty good sized donation from uh, Pat Byrne, who is the CEO of Overstock. Um, Now, all right, I I will name a a couple of names, a couple of developments. just with the caveat that this is not set in stone, they're thinking about it. But it's possible that you might see Scott Horton and Dave Smith from Part of the Problem run for some small spots on the Libertarian National Committee. So, as well as some people who are uh, well-known uh, cryptocurrency
0: entrepreneurs, and maybe more possible now because maybe some people will hear this and start, you know, encouraging them a
1: bit. <laughs> right. So th- we're, we're we're really trying to shake things up. You know, there's a lot of the i would say the majority of the libertarian movement like i said before is probably not happy with the way the party is and assuming they do get debate access it's never going to be easier to shake up the party than it is right now if if and when they get debate access it's going to become exponentially more difficult to do what we're trying to do right now and so we got to do it now and we are getting support from a lot of i mean if you go to tomwoods.com/caucus that takes you right to the the group page. So we're getting a lot of support from a lot of people. We're getting money without asking for it. And, and yeah, I mean, we have, we have a sizable number of delegates. We have candidates ready to to run, you know, who are already running for uh leadership spots on the committee who are more in line with the Austrian, to, much more in line with the Austrian tradition. Uh, you know, we, there's big plans going on. I mean, right again, I, I, I with the caveat that this is not set in stone and, and we'll see where it goes. But you know, I just got uh, Jim Cantrell, who is the the uh, CEO of Vector Space Systems, to uh, attend as a speaker. And right now, I'm negotiating to possibly have Ron Paul and Judge Napolitano attend the conference as speakers. Wow,
0: well, that, that would certainly be incredible, and they would be doing so sort of as emissaries or representatives, or uh, you know, whatever
1: you want to call it. I don't, I don't want to say that. I don't want to put words in their mouth. You know, we're right, right, we're, sure. we're, we're we're negotiating, and I don't know. If it's going to happen, but I feel very positive, and there's been a lot of reason for optimism. We'll see where it goes, but there's a lot of big things going on right now. A lot of moving parts coming together so very quickly. I
0: mean, it seems like you're really taking a, a multi-thronged approach here. You're you're organizing at the grassroots level. You're organizing, I guess, what you might in many ways call the remnant of the Ron Paul movement, as well as, I'm sure, a lot of newer people that are being inspired by that. And uh, at the same time, you're, you're going for the big guns, going to try to get some big names in there um, you know, and, and try to get them involved because you know it, when you have people Out there that are inspiring. Like to me, Scott Horton is just incredibly passionate and inspiring. Dave Smith, incredibly inspiring. Um, You know, if you get guys like that actually involved in the party, suddenly the party becomes interesting. You know, I I can't even imagine, I mean, Dave Smith having a debate over, uh, you know, for the uh, LNC chair or something like that, or Scott Horton running for vice chair. I mean, that's must see TV. That's going to get eyes glued. And suddenly you go from something that a lot of people are discouraged about to something that a lot of people are are interested in. And, And again, like you said, these are, just, these are just ideas, people you're talking to, who knows how, how things are really going to shake out, but I certainly think that the the strategy and the idea behind it, it's a, it's a pretty darn good one.
1: Well, they wouldn't be running for leadership positions like that. This would be a right. little bit lower tier. We're all new to the, many of us are new to the party and, and have to learn. There is a, uh, several people though, who are running for those leadership positions that do know the party, are party veterans, and are also uh, very much so in line with the, the Misesi and Austrian tradition. So, uh it, there's like i said there's just a lot of reason for optimism and uh plus we have something now that we didn't have during the Ron Paul campaign and that is a viable solution to many of the issues that that government occupies through uh cryptocurrency and blockchain technology you know it, before it was like okay the fed is terrible they they're inflating they're they're uh distorting the market they're doing all these things and let's end the fed okay how you know well all right hopefully we'll get government to audit the fed uh, okay hopefully we'll get you know congress to to pass you know whatever uh, competing currency and hopefully they'll kindly go along with it and
0: audit themselves and and you know come out with their hands up and say yes we've been we've been really robbing you for about 100 years here sorry about that
1: yeah and and right we don't we don't have to wait for them anymore you know we have a we have a viable alternative that grows in value over time i mean bitcoin might take some dips but it grows in value over time and it's going to keep doing it and uh we, we didn't have that before. And I think when you can back up, when you have that one-two punch of message and solution, that's when you can really bring people in and inspire them.
0: I'm also curious, Mike, about uh, your response from those within the party and, and current leadership. I mean, have you spoken to Nicholas Sarwark? Have you spoken to other people in, in current positions of high leadership? Are they supportive of what you're doing, even if you might in some ways be potentially running candidates
1: against them? Uh, I had spoken to Sarwark towards the beginning. I mean... We kind of ex- experienced explosive growth at the beginning because Sarwark attacked Tom Woods and, and uh, the Mises Institute and Ron Paul and, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, at first he was kind of making comments and about it and all that stuff. It seemed to stop somewhere around the 15th. Like once we became the largest caucus, it kind of seemed to stop. <laughs> and so are you, are you officially the largest caucus already right now? If we're going off the Facebook group, then yes. Yeah. OK. Um. And we have a lot of delegates already. I don't want to say that. No, I don't want to give my hand too much, but we, we have a lot of delegates. But I talked to him before because there, there was this misconception that I created the caucus purely as an angry reactionary response to those comments. Now, I didn't. I certainly benefited from the fallout of that. It's a nice advertisement for you. (laughs) It it really was. And uh, we we actually had some cordial conversations and he he, uh, basically respected about how I'm trying to go about things. I actually had him in the caucus group for a while because I I wanted him to see that this wasn't just a hater squad of Nick Sarwark and that we're really trying to uh, do something here. I mean, he understands that the goal was to vote him out, but that's politics that, you know, you don't have to it doesn't have to be a beef
0: <laughs> or a hate fest. Yeah, I mean, and, and to Nick's credit, I mean, he has said from the first time I can remember you know, the rumblings, I think it started actually when he, after he was on the show and made some comments about Ron Paul and, you know, said that all, all his positions weren't necessarily libertarian and, um, you know, we don't need to get into that whole thing again, but uh, that did start to spark some some conversation and, uh, you know, what he said to the critics in his, his very first live stream in, in response to those critics, he said I you know, he said, look, if you don't like me, that's fine. If you don't agree with what I'm saying, that's fine. Here's what you should do come to New Orleans, join the Libertarian Party, join your state party, come and challenge me, challenge my ideas, come and vote me out. And, you know, I cannot argue with that with him whatsoever. Yeah. That's the, the, and I actually, I mean, I, it seems also that, you know, politics has gotten so hateful in general and it even felt that way within the Libertarian Party. It, it's it's uh, in this past cycle, especially, you know, in, in the the primary, I guess you would call it, uh, the, the lead up to the the convention. And it, it seems that that's infecting every single area of politics. Um, and you know, to me, me, I remember when I was a teenager or even uh you know when I first started getting into politics in the early twenties, it was always somewhat contentious. But it, it always seemed like people would have their conversation about politics, they would disagree, and then they would continue about their day. Now it's it seems that it, you know in ordinary life here outside the libertarian bubble, you have a disagreement with somebody and suddenly you are evil. And they they think you must think they're evil. It's really become an infectious thing. And I think that recapturing that spirit, that very positive energy of the Ron Paul revolution, what inspired so many of us to get involved in politics, what inspired me to learn how to create a podcast, I had no clue what I was doing. Some would say I had no clue what I was doing even on episode one, but I like to think I have a little bit of one by now. Uh, You know, he inspired so many people to do so many different... Things and to me that that really seems what you to be what you are largely focusing on in the big picture is is recapturing that spirit and that energy more than focusing on any one specific policy change.
1: Right. I mean, how how often do you hear the Libertarian Party really go after foreign policy? I mean, you hardly heard a peep about it. Yeah, you know, and, and, uh, and we haven't Johnson Weld. And it, right, and it's a totally blown opportunity right now because just look at the Yemen situation. People don't even know. Like, we could take. The reins on educating people about the Yemen situation and and the U.S. government's role in that, because it's like the largest humanitarian crisis in the world right now, and it's our like it's in large part the U.S. government's fault, and and nobody knows about it, and they're preying on the ignorance, they're preying on the ignorance and the silence about it to create this narrative that the Houthi rebels are like a proxy for Iran, and they, like it couldn't be further from the truth. I mean. I know there's been some small arms deals between the two, but generally speaking, the Houthi thing has, has been, yes, they are a sect of Muslims called Zaidi Muslims, but this hasn't been a jihad. This has been largely a nationalist movement. You sound like the kind of guy that listens to a lot of Scott Horton. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, sometimes I, I try to get I try to make the rounds, but I, I, you know, I've always been interested in foreign policy. I've been I've been I've been following the Yemen thing for a couple of years now, After uh, ever since the, uh, the Houthis overthrew the government. And, you know, to their credit, you know, they they had every chance to seize that government over there and they didn't. They created an interim government. Like, look, we're not trying to take over. We just want to have a seat at the table. We you know, we had a Saudi Arabian American puppet as the as the president and or whatever it is over there. And, uh, you know, he's gone now. He fled. So let's get this settled. Well, the guy came back with a coalition of America and Saudi Arabia and, and all this stuff. And now it's total hell over there. I mean, you have closing in on a million cases of cholera is totally treatable and, and
0: most people don't even know that we're even you know that don't even know that there's anything going on there let alone that we are you know heavily funding it and heavily involved in it in, in many ways
1: yeah and and it's just a, it's a we need to I, I think the party needs to get the reins that's why i would one of the reasons why i would love to get horton in there to, to ignite that but yeah it's just there's there's a lot that i think could be changed for the better and and i think we can do it i i feel very very strongly that we can do it
0: I know many of you are facing major decisions with your healthcare right now, and I want to make sure that you know about an amazing alternative to your standard corporatized health insurance known as Health Excellence Plus. Health Excellence Plus is an incredible program that helps you keep medical costs under control by taking charge of your own health care and not leaving all the decisions about what doctors you see and what procedures you need or don't need up to some corporate bureaucrat. Along with providing 24-7 access to medical professionals, tax-deferred health savings accounts, and preventative care, Health Excellence Plus empowers you to finally take control of your health care. To learn more, head on over to lionsofliberty.com health, or call the special hotline for Lions of Liberty listeners at 855-290-4447. Be sure to mention Lions of Liberty. All right, Michael, well, uh, before we wrap up here, I want to give you one chance to give a pitch to a a very specific segment of the audience. And that is the segment of the audience that is completely opposed to politics, completely done with the Libertarian Party. Uh, Really, there's, I think, a decent section of of that audience that really just eschews politics altogether. Um, And I think there's decent arguments on different sides of that, but what's your pitch to those people of why they should at least take a look at what you're doing with the Mises Caucus in the Libertarian
1: Party? Well, first of all, I was one of them at, at one point. I mean, in, in the in the immediate wake of the Ron Paul campaign, you know, I drove to Florida from Pennsylvania. I, well, I rode in the car and I read, I remember I read uh, Larkin Rose's How to, or uh, uh, The Most Dangerous Superstition on the Way There, saw the whole robbery firsthand, read how to, another Larkin book, How to Become a Successful Tyrant on the Way Back. And that's when it kind of, the anarchism thing clicked for me and I was just fed up and angry. But at the end of the day, Your your, quote unquote, legitimizing of the system or your consent, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They don't care about your consent. That's the whole point of we we say it's a it's a common adage in, in anarchist circles that government is a gun to your head. And that's true. It is a gun to your head. It's force. Government is force. Well, how often do you get to you know, how often is a gun pointed to your head and you get to remove the gun from your head on your own terms? It just doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? So we we are already the, the, the sad truth is we are already slaves. We, they already have control. So we have to work with what we've got. And anybody that, that thinks that there is no place in the political sphere, then I, I would say, how do you how do you are you saying there's no value to the Ron Paul campaigns that, that didn't produce anything good? I I would think it produced a lot of good. You and I would not be talking right now if it wasn't
0: for the Ron Paul campaign, most likely, at least for myself. I mean, that, that that Ron Paul directly inspired
1: my action to start this program. But it has to do with the philosophy in what like the philosophy of what politics is about. And that is what is disgusting, in my opinion, what is disgusting people with the Libertarian Party right now, Ron Paul didn't run so he could become a, a powerful executive and do all these things and 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 all that. He didn't he didn't have any expectations of winning. He didn't have any expectations of winning back in '76 or whatever it was when he first started uh, running. He had no expectations. He just wanted to get in there and shed light to, to issues. At that point, it was the, the the fact that the Bretton Woods agreement had been totally, uh, you know, the gold standard had been completely severed, and that's what uh, inspired him to run. So when you do it that way, when you make it about principles, when people should be coming to the party because they're sold on our ideology. And if you run the party that way, that you can, you can produce a lot of good and a lot of networking. And, and, you know, in this way, if we start to use the platform or a party as a platform for viable solutions to get around the government, like Bitcoin, then you're going to start to take away from them. You know what I mean? And, and. I'm of the opinion I and Ron, you know, Ron is this way, too. I'm of the opinion that do I think we're going to become you know, we're going to build this thing up and and become president. And we're just going to solve all the world's problems. I don't. I don't. I think this is eventually going to uh, come to a halt the way that the uh, the Soviet Union did. And that that is a big part of why I think we need to do this. So hypothetically speaking, let's say there is an economic catastrophe right what's going to be the response if the only people in state governments are status like that one's pretty obvious more statism more statism <laughs> and or what's what i think is going to happen this is just pure speculation but i think what is going to happen is the, the the feds will say see capitalism has failed capitalism destroyed this country when we know it's keynesianism that destroyed this country and and they're going to try to, who knows, they could go to a globalist model, they could go to a supranational model between us, Canada, and Mexico. You know, they might have their own little centralized cryptocurrency. We could try that North Korea model. They hardly ever have economic downturns. Right. From what I hear. And, or, and, and you know, they might even try to be cool and say, look, we'll, we'll replace the dollar with a, a state-backed cryptocurrency and, and everything's gonna be cool if we if we don't get, take action and we don't get involved in in politics and particularly in my opinion the state governments we're going to need very brave and very principled people in those positions for when that time comes to start having the moral authority to point the finger at the feds and say, no, Pennsylvania's out. You did this. We're not solving your we're not we're not doing your thing. We're out. You did this.
0: All right, Michael. Before I let you go, why don't you just let everybody out there know exactly how they can find out more about the Mises Caucus? I know you've got the Facebook group that is that is rapidly growing, but uh, not everyone's on Facebook. So how else can they reach out to you and find out more about what you're doing with the Mises Caucus?
1: Well, we uh, we have a Twitter run by our committee guy, Sterling Reese, that's uh, LP Mises Caucus on Twitter. Uh, the website is, is being built right now. So that'll be coming. We'll be, uh, be producing content. Uh, and the easiest way to get to the Facebook page is, um, uh, TomWoods.com slash caucus. All right, well, Michael Heiss, it's been an absolute pleasure,
0: and I, I can certainly agree with you on one thing, and that is that capturing that spirit of the Ron Paul revolution is, is absolutely essential, because I don't think you can really, you know, broadly change hearts and minds without really inspiring people. I mean, as as much as it might be interesting to sit down and read Human Action or read For a New Liberty, that's not what's going to get people in, in the first place. They might get to that later on. Uh, you have to first inspire them, inspire them to even care in the first place, and that's something that. I I think Ron Paul did well, very well, and it seems to be something that you guys are working on quite a bit as well. So I wish you the best of luck.
1: I agree, man. Thank you.
0: All right, and thank you to Michael Heiss for joining me here today. Again, that's a, someone who, who a lot of you have been excited to hear from. A lot of you are really interested in what the Mises Caucus is doing. So, uh, you know, you chirp and you shall receive. You roar and you shall receive. Roaring, chirping, whatever animal noises you got to make do it over in the Lions of Liberty Forum. That is our main hub for conversation, for communicating about the show. And I think if you're fans of what Michael is speaking about and the kind of attitude he's trying to bring to the Libertarian Party with the Mises Caucus, I think you're uh, really going to in- like a lot of the plans and a lot of the things he's been working on behind the scenes, if, if only a-, a small portion of it even plays out. Uh, we did have a little bit of a chat after the show, and I will be posting some of that uh, in the Lions of Liberty Pride. So if you want to know a little bit more about what Michael Heiss has been working on behind the scenes with the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus. Be sure to check that out for Pride members. If you're not a Pride member, again, as little as $5 a month, you can hear... The Extra Audio with Michael Heiss, in addition to all the extra podcasts we do, uh, tons and tons of podcasts. We have The Conspiracy Corner, we have uh, Bonus Is It a Crime segments, Bonus Ran Pluses and Minuses segments, uh, The Degenerate Gamblers is now a weekly podcast that's turned into a whole whole mess of a fun time uh, with Brian, Odie, and Rico. So we really do uh, put a lot of effort in putting a lot of extra content out there for our great supporters. So be sure to go ahead and check that out at lionsofliberty.com slash support. Another thing I want you to check out is the great work that is being done by our good friends at DonorSea, as well as my man Clint Rankin and his group Walk the Walk. Uh, that is a little corralling area for uh, to bring together libertarians to donate to certain charitable projects through the DonorSea app. If you are not aware of that, we'll, we'll link to that over in today's show notes, which you can find at lionsofliberty.com slash 328. got a couple projects going on. I know Daniel Lee just finished up his project recovering from uh, the damage from Hurricane Harvey in Houston. He's also helping to fund uh, some money for his cousins who also went through some major hardships. So please do check that out. Uh, I think we're just wrapping up a round of funding with that one as well as we've got a few projects to help uh, other people in Puerto Rico. And again, you can find that group. It's called Walk the Walk. You can find that on Facebook. You can also go over to walkthewalktofreedom.com. Be sure to check that out. And while you're perusing the interwebs, checking things out, why don't you hit up iTunes real quick. And if you think we're worth it, hopefully you do, leave us a five-star rating and a great review. That is a great, easy way. To contribute to this program without having to spend a dime. It takes no more than two minutes to do that. That is the number one platform for finding uh, podcasts. And the more people that give us great ratings and reviews, the more people that are going to find Lions of Liberty when they're on iTunes, searching around for new libertarian and political podcasts to listen to. So that's a great way you guys can help. And as always, be sure to tune into all our programs this coming Wednesday. You've got Brian McWilliams coming at you with his weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty on Electric Liberty Land, as well as John Oderman wrapping things up this coming Friday and every Friday for that matter vastly approaching his 100th episode of Felony Friday his look at the broken criminal justice system be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a darn thing and until next time folks live long and live free